children well. Take time to make time, make time to be there. We can make it happen. You can tell me what Christmas is all about. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Family Road Trip Podcast. I'll be home for Christmas. Wax on, wax off. Inconceivable. You never know what you're going to get. We're on a mission from God. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schleter on the fifth stop of our seven-week journey. What's this all about? Well, we are with four awesome couples and their families who've said yes to a very heroic thing. We've been repeating it again and again, but good things are worth repeating, right? When you love somebody, you don't just stop because you said it once. When you experience God alive in the Mass, you don't stop going to Mass. Well, similarly, we're telling you again what a great thing for these four families and all who are joining us to gather on a weekly basis to talk and pray. Well, these families have committed themselves to making that time, ritualizing it. Why? Because ritual is what we do when we care about something. We ritualize our work to succeed. We ritualize our sports to succeed. We want to succeed in our homes. And that means setting aside the less important busyness to exchange the lesser things for greater things. And we're challenging you, inviting you. And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple dog dare. We triple dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. Steph, do you know what movie that comes from? Come on. How appropriate would it be if it was a Christmas story? Indeed. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. So we triple dog dare you to join us now that we're particularly in Advent on this fifth week of seven weeks and find out this Live It Gathering Guide at presenceforchristmas.com. It's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-F-O-R, Christmas.com. Now's a great time to join us as we navigate into the very heart of Christ's Mass. And while we have you, we encourage you to make plans of joining us every Wednesday, three Wednesdays, uh, 6.30 p.m. if you're in the Toledo area at St. Joan of Arc for an awesome evening of witness, word, worship, and confession. It's our 10th year of doing this Presents for Christmas evening events. So it's a fun way to... um, to engage you all the more, we are giving away free Chick-fil-A to families that correctly answer questions that correspond to each podcast. So Steph is now going to read the questions that correspond to last week's program. And if you listen tonight, you'll get a chance to uh, answer the eight simple questions. If you go to presentsforchristmas.com, you'll see the little Chick-fil-A icon on the right side. Click on that thing. And uh, eight simple questions corresponding to tonight. We have two winners. The first one will be the one who gets it first correctly. And the second will be entered into a drawing of all who get it correctly. So right now, Steph's going to simply read us the questions from last week's program. Number one, which child did Jesse Blazik share a funny story about? Well, she clearly does not have a child named Keanu or Vladimir. So that really breaks it down to two of the children she does have, Christian and Brayden. The I'm correct go answer with, is? I'm going to go with Brayden. Good job. Number two, which Tolkien character might have been featured in Lorna Finley's funny story? Well, the hint there is she told a story about a spider. So if you're a Tolkien fan and we gave you the connector and brackets there. So four great characters from uh, Lord of the Rings, of which this one would correspond to if you're a Tolkien fan. Shelob. 
I'm glad the big, ugly, scary spider. The best, coolest, scary spider of any movie I've ever seen. I might agree with you there. Number three, which Bible story did Janine Waskovich say captivated their conversation? I'm kind of thinking it was not the David and Bathsheba story. Now let's go with Two Thieves and the Cross. Very good. Beautiful reflection. Mm -hmm. Go back and listen. Number four, what miracle did Teresa Grodi experience? That for sure was was a Cleveland Browns (laughs) victory. Cleveland Browns victory. No, but they are getting better. We have hope for them. You're going to share what it is? You're you're going to do it? Okay, a miracle of the sun. Mm. Again, beautiful story. And if you don't know what that is, go back and listen, because she experienced this powerful miracle, and she explains the backdrop of it, which took place in Fatima. It's really an amazing story. And again, you can hear this at presentsforchristmas.com. You'll find the link there. Number five, what concluding message punctuated this program? I'm going to give you the options. Early to bed and early to rise. Eh. Consistency over perfection. Maybe. You can't always get what you want. Do you even know the band? You can't always get what you want. From whom oh, that well, is That's derived. not part of this well, questioning. Yeah, my classical rock. Keep interest, on rocking in the Stones. free world. Keep on rocking the free world. Do you know who that would be? Rock and roll? Neil Young. None of those are correct. It is consistency over, over perfection. perfection. It is explained beautifully there. Yes. So Number six was yes, no, or I will be. Are you registered for presents for Christmas on December 4th, 11th, and 18th? We hope you're all joining us. Sign yes. up now. Free presentsforchristmas.com. Do it now. Numero ocho. Actually, number seven. Oh, seven. Which cartoon character made appearances throughout? It seems Thanksgiving Day is upon us. Linus, Homer Simpson, Steamboat Willie, or Mrs. Incredible. But none of those were applicable. Last week was the special Thanksgiving episode, the unimitable Linus. And number eight, the final question had to do with going to the Daily Questions. And this one happened to be number three. So that could have been a freebie if you chose to fill it out. We're on a mission from God. So folks, we're so glad you are with us in the Family Road Trip Podcast, and we are now going to go around and check in with our awesome four sojourners on this amazing journey. And, uh, you know, around this time, Stephanie, we've encountered people of different philosophies about Christmas deco. You've got the Christmas hippies. Who are those? Those are the folks. It's all cool. It's all easy. They're watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer I've never heard in, that in summer, <laughs> July, and August, and whatever. The, maybe even the Christmas tree is still up. I have no idea. <laughs> Christmas hippie. Doesn't really matter. And then on the other extreme are maybe the Christmas purists. And by the way, I'm not judging. I'm just describing. Christmas purists would be those who kind of recognize the, the liturgical purity of Christmas Eve as the beginning of celebration of Christmas. And our parents, many of them inherited this. We recall going to sleep and, and the house was not decorated and waking up and the house was then beautifully, magical. miraculously, magically decorated. I have to ask our wonderful sojourners, where are you in that spectrum? Beginning with the Waskoviches. Where are you guys? Where do you land in the spectrum? Well, I would say I'm a Christmas hippie. I like yeah. to listen to Christmas music in the summer, and we decorate, and our house is already decorated. Wow. Go you. Yes. Blazix. May I say, 
uh, I don't want to do an easy uh, answer to this, but kind of both. Uh, kind of a hippie, but I'd say I would rather be a purist. That's that's my goal. Mm. I think that's me, actually, Steph. I think yeah. I'm in that category. What we're stretched by our children, but very nostalgic sensibilities, and they like to kick that in a little early, and the culture doesn't help when you've got it going on around you. And I hate to say it, you want to live Christmas beyond the day into those 12 days of Christmas, but I digress. Finley's. Um, well, time goes by so quickly that for me, um, I'm definitely a purist at heart. I love the um, focusing on Advent, focusing on preparing for Christ during Advent, and then enjoying the celebration of you know Christ coming to be with us, his birth during Christmas. I like to wait until after Thanksgiving or mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. That's quite a tradition. Time being what it is, sometimes I don't get it done that early and sometimes I do. But it's not because I want Christmas to be here, but because that's part of our getting ready Mm. for Christ's coming. That's part of preparing our hearts, preparing the place in our home. Um, When they have the songs about um, make up your house as you are able, you know, trim. They talk about trimming the the things and And setting the table. (laughs) Trimming the the things, which was applied to my son's (laughs) hair. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. Trimming the shearing the things. So for me, I identify with that as the decorating during Advent is preparing my home for him. Amen. Amen. Grow eyes. The aesthetics of Christmas are one of the greatest sources of conflict in our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was coming. (laughs) She likes likes a small fake tree. I like a tall real tree. She likes giant balloon uh, Christmas figurines in the front yard. I like modest classical looking nativity scenes, (laughs) etc. and so forth. But we are on quite on the same page in terms of the timing. We do like to, to make Advent a time of preparation and to hold off on the, the Christmas parties and and the at least some of the music, the, the non-preparatory music. Mm-hmm. We're really big into O Come, Come Emmanuel. We kind of like to do Advent dark. Yeah, we like, like yeah. Like turn down the lights when mm-hmm. we do the advent candle and do kind of like oh come oh come Emmanuel dark mm-hmm. I don't know it's like mm-hmm. it's yeah. just dark and then like an explosion of light and white and mm-hmm. amazingness mm-hmm. at Christmas when I was a kid my dad would take me to midnight mass and my mom would like put all the presents under the tree so that when I came home the sun of God Like Santa came when she had me That's awesome. <laughs> I believed in Santa Claus till fourth grade. So what are you saying? <laughs> oh, I still do it. I, I don't mean to kid out. I don't mean to kid about that, but I really uh, Chesterton's <laughs> Orthodoxy Book Four. Read read to your families, everybody who's listening. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. You might find it online. Book four. It's titled The Ethics of Elfland or The Ethics in Elfland. And it is a My favorite chapter. Marvelous yes. tour of the importance of introducing myth to orient young souls to the transcendent and to God. So 
Anyways, no, that's great. Beautiful imagery. And I do think we are called to um, recognize the seasons and how they set the stage for our ever deeper encounter with God and the rhythm. One of the best homilies I ever heard was a priest who conveyed how all creation gives glory to God. John the Baptist, roughly around mid-June, um, the beginning of summer when the days get darker, as John says, I must decrease and he must increase, all the way up to the point of Christmas where Christ enters the scene and light has entered the world and starts to open up. And so I love that the season, our church invites us to enter into those movements of dying to self and then opening up our hearts to the radiant splendor of Christ alive. So that's really cool. We're on a mission from God. So very blessed to have you all with us in the Family Road Trip podcast. And um, thank you for those very thoughtful and fun answers. And now we're going to go around again and, as usual, ask a good thoughtful question. Why? Because we want to foster good encounter of God alive in our marriages, in our families. Um, what we encourage you to do with your own marriages, in your own families, with those around you. And the question for tonight is simply, who is a non-family member who has had a great impact on your life and why? So kind of the mentoring question or a discipler sort of question. We all have at least one person. So you're limited to one person and maybe a significant way they've impacted you. So Waskoviches. Okay, I was asked this at Mother's Group one time and I chose um, St. John Paul II. Mm. Um, I, I was, uh, we had four kids at the time. So we have eight now. So all the four oldest ones were all pretty young. And a lot of times, like when Mike was working and I, I just didn't want to take the kids to the stores because, you know, it's, it's hard. And, and I was the young mom and I, I would get looks, you know, if kids mm-hmm. were misbehaving and I, you know, I just didn't like that. And it was, so I would drop them off at my parents that lived a few minutes away and then go shopping. And, um, and then I was listening to one of his speeches one time and he was talking about like personal responsibility mm-hmm. and, um, and, and he was saying, like, you know, don't don't always rely on other people. If you can do it, you know, do it yourself. And and it just, I remember thinking, you know, it's really tiring after you go shopping and then bring home the stuff. And then mm-hmm. I'd go over to my parents' house and they didn't want to leave because my parents are pretty fun. <laughs> and it was actually just like really hard on me. And um, so they didn't want to leave. So we would be there a long time. And I thought, you know, to myself, you know, this is, I'm, I'm their parent. I'm their mom. And uh, I need, to, they need to know how to behave in the store. And I need to, to maybe have more patience. And um, so, you know, I, I just started to just take them. You know, like I remember like one of my kids uh, messing with one of the displays and they, it all fell. And, you oh. know, I'm just like I have, I'm crying and I'm holding that one and they're all young. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get through with this. You know, I'm going to, I'm the mom. You know, you laugh about it. And I just, I felt like I'm really glad I listened to that because, um, you know, a lot, you know, like even the kids behaved better at church. Them on your dreams, the one they picked, the one you know by. Marvelous. So the dignity of parenthood, the authority that God invests in a mom and a dad to disciple them at a young age 
And to know that right now, those of you with younger children, it may seem like a challenge, and it is a challenge. You are now forming your adolescence right now. You're forming them for adulthood right now. And your shared commitment to discipling them in common ways and consistency there is going to have many redeeming rewards as they get older. So I thank you for that testimony. And of course, John Paul and his beautiful insights of marriage and family, of that understanding of home as a place to foster discipleship. And in those ordinary ways, as you said, in the store or at your uh, at, at other people's homes and how it uh, translated into their greater, as they would say, self-governance, self-control in other areas is a tremendous, tremendous mm-hmm. gift. What a great, great mentor. JP, too, had a gift like no other in that, in particular, I think, of just bringing it home to the practical holiness, you know, and use the term personal responsibility and how that just filters into so much. But just one little thought that through his holiness and his life and being around families and um, his ministering to them and with them, even as a young priest, how it affected his pontificate and his words and just echoes really into eternity. Amen. Michael. So I've had a lot of great teachers in my career, and I, I was really trying to center in on one that made a, a really big um, impact on my life. And my first year at Ohio State um, College of Pharmacy was just really rough. Uh, mm-hmm. I almost flunked out of school, took multiple chemistry classes and labs, in the same semester, I, I remember writing out one long formula thinking I, I nailed it and I did, but it was completely the wrong class and oh, the wrong no. question. <laughs> Oops. And it was it was just like, oh my gosh. And I remember meeting with the assistant dean of students. It was a big like, hey, this is your career in front of you. Um, are you a serious student? It was mm. that type of meeting that I was called to mm-hmm. called to the uh, headquarters, wherever they uh, are located. And I was I was just scared. I was thinking I was going to flunk out. I'm wasting money. Um, Janine and I were not quite engaged, but we're we're serious, and um, I just wasn't sure what to expect. And the guy was so kind. Mm. He kind he, he didn't necessarily put his arm around me, but he said, "Look, I get it." Um, this is a rough uh, coursework. Um, I think you're you're meant for this. I, I believe in you. It was just like some really simple mm-hmm. things that a father would say to a son, or obviously a teacher would say to a student. And I just got serious about it. I ended up obviously passing uh, passing the classes and, and graduated, and went on to have a, a pretty strong career. And um, it was about five years ago. I won this uh, Pharmacist of the Year Award in the state of Ohio. And I got invited to go down to Columbus and receive the award. And and I'm sitting or I'm standing up there behind the podium and and Janine's out in the audience. And I'm thanking her and her father and Mm. all the people that have been there to support me. And right in front of me were all the four or five colleges of pharmacy across the state. And the assistant dean of students, who was um, some big promotion, but He's an important person. He's sitting there right in front of oh, me. And cool. I didn't I didn't even know he was gonna be there. And so I, I in my little acceptance speech, I was able to kind of tell the story about how he took me under his wing and believed in me. Mm. And, and here I am now and and I, and I uh, uh, a lot I have to owe to him. So great the story. Point being, to have someone believe in you like that, complete 
stranger um, that that had a profound effect. I mean, I try to mm. support people, you know, in, in my career. Thanks for that turn on that, Mike. I was thinking exactly the people in our lives right now that may be struggling, battling, whatever it may be, uh, the encouragement of one that they look up to, maybe we're that person now. We can think of who that person is, and by imparting that thoughtfulness and care, it can translate in such a powerful way. Wax on, wax off. Thank you. Drew. Ever since I was a little baby, I always be dribbling. In fact, I was the baddest dribbler in the whole when I was young, I would, I would say I had a lot of anxiety and I felt overwhelmed. When you're not focused, you feel like life is kind of passing you by. I always have those dreams. Then one day, my mama bought me a basketball. And I love that basketball. I took that basketball with me everywhere I went. That basketball was like a basketball to me. When I fell in love with basketball, I remember going to camp and I had this one coach for a lot of years, and he always taught us to write down your goals, mm. what you wanted to do on your on a piece of paper and put it on your wall. So every day you wake up, you look at it. I ever put that basketball underneath my pillow. Maybe that's why I can't sleep at night. I need help, ladies and gentlemen. I need someone to stand beside me. I need, I need someone to set a pit for me at the free throw line. That was a big turning point. I just remember just always focus, oh, I want to work on my left hand. I want to work on this. And I practiced about five to eight hours a day back then. But I would never have been so focused if I didn't have, I mean, it sounds so simple about writing your goals. And uh, later in life, whatever I did, um, as basketball passed by and then I had school or whatever it is, I always put my goals down. And what I realized was whatever is most important so a lot of people feel like your life is passing you by, but whatever is most important in life, if you put down what's most important and focus on three to five things, um, we can be, it's almost like an unlimited of how good you could be in those things. And it's not necessarily like an accomplishment. I mean, it could be your family, be a great dad. I wanna learn uh, about God, read mm-hmm. scripture, whatever is most important that you see yourself in 10 years. I think um, the important thing to think about, whatever you wanna see yourself in 10 years, you gotta write that down and focus on it. And um, that was a big turning point of who I am. Fabulous practice, Drew, and you shared that with me early on in our friendship. And I do think it marks the mindset of one who takes growth in life seriously. And you've given witness to me in that practice. And any who are listening right now, just a simple step. What are some ways you might want to grow in? Well, don't just keep thinking about them. Write down, uh, maybe take a time and brainstorm a bunch of them, yes, but write down maybe two or three of them, especially now, perfect time, Advent season, grace is being outpoured. See the difference it'll make when you wake up or wherever you happen to sit. I know, Drew, you shared it's kind of a desk area that you sit and you have a bunch of them around there now. (laughs) But no, I encourage any of us who are listening, who are serious about uh, cooperating with God's grace and actually growing day after day, week after week, this is a great tool to do that. So we are praying for Jesse right now, who is sick at uh, with Drew, taking care of the kids, lift her up, pregnant, and uh, wonderful um, home atmosphere, and, and you uh, being a good servant, husband and father there, Drew. But keep her in your prayers. We won't hear from her tonight, but we will lift her in our prayers. Finley's. I have six children that I'm lucky to uh, 
be uh, raising on this earth. And three of them are boys, three girls. And two of my boys are two years and two months apart. And they are um, a handful, very active, very fun. Um, when they were about two and four, you know, that's an especially um, challenging time mm-hmm. um, raising them and just, you know, figuring it all out. So at church, um, after one very um, active mass, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> was gathering them up, you know, trying to get everything together and uh, um, this faceless, nameless woman. I uh, have an idea of who this woman might be, but I'm not sure. And she came up to me and she said, I once, I raised wild Indians myself. (laughs) And she said, you're doing um, an amazing job. I love seeing your family here at church. You know, thank you for bringing them. just that support and the connection with her she was um an older woman that's something that i've taken with me of course having the encouragement and support at that time meant various things throughout the stages of my life as you go forward how how whether ever seriously you take it but it was definitely a connection of humor in the moment because she got the the wild indian you know definitely was a good description but (laughs) i've you know taken that story and shared it with others it's encouraged me to be the kind of person who can share that with others sharing that acceptance and love and support with other people um especially as a mom be more accepting when you don't have those little ones around remembering how hard those times are. You know, it has kept me inspired to strive for that and also just reminds me that, um, you know, what it's all about, the joy and the uh, the focus of that, the joy of that moment as mm. opposed to the challenge mm. of the moment. Steve. Christopher West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, he was just so crucial to my, you know, fixing a lot of brokenness in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it just with this mess that my sexuality was in and, you know, trying to take different habits. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Make sense of some of the disordered desires. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. It's like you have a 5,000 piece puzzle and you're trying to put it together without a picture. Great analogy. You hear someone like Christopher West and it's like he provides the picture, you know, or theology of the body is it, but he breaks it down for you. Brought about just a tremendous amount of healing.
We need an entire episode with men, women too, but a men's maybe version and a woman's version where we do just uh, candidly speak of the challenges that we face just by virtue of being men, being visual and wired the way we are, but particularly in this culture, which offers us, takes that compass, which is so perfectly designed by God, ordered to him, but with so many magnets around it that misdirect it and um, affect our desires and the toxicity that follows if we're not aware of that. And as you speak of, Stephen, thank you so much to restoration, which isn't an instantaneous thing. We know your journey. You've shared it publicly before. But any who are listening and are battling with disordered desire of any kind, but certainly sexually disordered desires, which in this culture is most people, maybe everybody to some extent, certainly, because sexuality is our capacity to image God for intimacy with God. So this is a key area. This is an area that we've got to get right, and that's why the enemy goes after it. So I'm really grateful that you are transparent and courageous, Steve, and kind of just sharing that little tidbit and even offering, if you will, Christopher West, who kind of endeavors to make accessible the teaching of Pope St. John Paul II in a really understanding this gift of sexuality. So thank you so much for that. Grow eyes. So every week we go last and I always hear everybody out, everybody's answers and I want to steal all their awesome answers. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think of Pope John Paul II or my high school history teachers or Christopher West. Like they're all just such mm. awesome answers. But it's funny um, when you, the way that you phrase this question in our email, who is a non-family member who's made a lasting impact on your life and how. And the first person who came into my mind is actually Michelle. Michelle Duggar, hmm. so uh, from the yes. TLC show, yeah. 19 Kids and Counting. Yes. Hold on for a minute, cause I believe that we can fix this over time. So I had never wanted to have kids. I had never wanted to be pregnant. I had never really even thought much about getting married. And I certainly, absolutely never wanted to homeschool. Like that wasn't even something that entered into my Triple wow. (laughs) Yeah. And so here we are married, Catholic, and, you know, well-versed now in theology of the body. And, you know, my heart and mind really accepting God's, you know, plan for marriage and sexuality and assuming that I will have children, but still in my heart just being like... I never wanted children, but I know God's not going to give them to me for me to hate them. You know, so what does this look like? You know, I want to feel the transformation. And pregnant with my first child, we had moved away from my hometown, um, kind of in the middle of this cornfield with no car during the day. Mm. And all I had to do in our apartment was sit and watch Netflix um, and walk out to the mailbox every once in a while. (laughs) After being somebody who's worked like a full-time job since I was, well, part-time job since I was 15, and then taking full course loads all through high school and college, I've never had like an empty moment in my life and I had nothing to do except for just sit around and watch TV. Mm. And it just so happened that Netflix had all the seasons of 19 kids and counting. And I started watching it and the genuineness 
of Mrs. Duggar. I want to sing a song worth singing. Oh, writing in some words repeating. And like the normalcy of her, her family and her children, even though it seemed so far out and strange to me, just completely melted my heart and made me excited to welcome children and made me really excited to even think about homeschooling. Because at that point I was like, absolutely not. I'm having a career. I'm not going to be a homeschooler. Like that was just the most absurd thing to me. Um, But just being able to be inside of her home and watching her children and seeing the beautiful sibling relationships. um, I just... Grace requires nothing of me. She changed my life. Thanks so much. That is, I don't even know who that is or the show or the program. So you've clarified <laughs> in that I'll context. I'll inform you after But just show. for listeners, I mean, if obviously it's inspiring because it's difficult to find great programming that's inspiring. We underestimate the power that we have in particular as wives and mothers. I believe very strongly when we fail to um, show the joy that comes with it, when we truly Mm. embrace it. And as you, Teresa, watched that show and saw her, and and I love that you pointed out too the the relationship relationships between the siblings, which Mm. is obviously so strong (laughs) with that many children, right? That many brothers and sisters, but just the beauty that that can bring and. And all that comes with that. So the power of witness, you know, to quote JP too, families become who you are. And that is the image of the Trinity, right? Awesome. And, and all that we're meant to be in that outpouring of love together. And that is the witness that very organically and naturally is going to change the world if we live it out as the Lord intended with that virtue, with that joy, you know, and that doesn't mean it's lived out perfectly for sure. Right. I mean, every day, some days it's every moment where we need to choose as wives and mothers to embrace that joy or to embrace the graces. I love it when you preach it, you women, and I am blessed when you preach it. And truly that whole uh, quip of the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world is not simply about the children that are being formed, but the witness to the world of selfless love and forming them for eternity, which profoundly blesses us as men. So just you, Teresa, and the women on the Sojourners with us, and any of you women who are listening, just thank you. Just thank you for receiving the gift that God made you to be. And uh, we know it's difficult. We know it's a struggle. We know we often fall short as men in encouraging and nurturing that. We apologize. We repent of the ways we do fall short in that. But you have to know just um, in the image of our Blessed Mother, giving salvation to the world is the iconography that you are. And uh, this world will not be restored until um, really women become you know, more firmly aware of how awesome that is. We could talk about this forever, but just beautiful, beautiful uh, sharing here. John Mark. Most of what I talk about comes out of what I'm, I'm reading in Chesterton or Lewis or Tolkien or, or Peeper or the other authors that I'm really into. But I was thinking through those, those sources and realizing that, that there's actually a source that at different points in my life kind of connected me to so many of the things that I now hold so dear, so many authors, mm. so many aspects of my life. And that's Dr. Peter Kreft. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yes. When I was in my teen years uh, discerning a vocation, but at the same time having kind of my first real adult crisis of faith, um, you know, uh, you know, 
really questioning my my relationship with God and questioning what faith meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, among many other sources, uh, Dr. Kreft's uh, sort of very accessible philosophy was uh, was a real introduction into Catholic thought, uh, philosophy, and theology, and really gave me a, a hunger and a love for it. Uh, so that was a that was a, a moment. But then a, a few years later, when I was kind of fully more back and engaged in my faith, it was a talk, uh, an article of his called How to Win the Culture War. The third point uh, that he has makes in that article, which is that the only thing that can win this, uh, this temporal battle that we're in is saints. Mm-hmm. And he has such a beautiful section. I'd encourage anyone to, to look mm-hmm. up that article and read it. it the, that, the third section about simply cooperating with God and allowing him to work through you and mm-hmm. how you set the world on fire by simply doing that, simply mm-hmm. giving him 100% hugely impacted me and i've gone back to that article over and over throughout my life and just how how simply and powerfully he put our vocation to holiness uh, but then even later you know more more recently in a men's group um we we wrote we read his as he calls it his festooning of dick de, de Cassad's abandonment to divine providence he, mm-hmm. he gave us this this insight into some of the great spiritual writers and then you know one more more recently still I was looking, I was perusing books on Amazon, and there was this interesting new book that had come out called Catholic Mindfulness mm-hmm. by Dr. Gregory Bataro. Mm-hmm. And I looked, I flipped into it and realized and found a, <laughs> a forward by Dr. Right Peter Kreft. Yep. And that, that book has turned out to be a really uh, powerful book for us. And we've had some great discussions in our family amongst friends about, you know, being more, learning to be more present to each other and to God in prayer and, and things like that. So, anyway, thank Dr. you, Dr. Peter Kreft has connected me to so many things that are now such important, uh, profound aspects of my life. So I too am a fan of his and one of, I don't remember if I heard this in person, um, because I've been blessed to hear him once or twice, but, or if I read it, somewhere and he's written how many books john mark too many to count right i mean he yeah many many at this point crazy numbers of books and someone asked him um what his favorite book was Mm. that he had ever written at that point and without any hesitation he said the one that i didn't write while i was raising my children that's awesome John Mark, thanks for that great witness. And for any who are listening, Peter Kreft, K-R-E-E-F-T, How to Win the Culture Wars, very worthy of some time and going deeper. And I do appreciate iron sharpening iron when uh, we have brothers who gather, husbands and wives who are reading their own content and like this, just give us gems that are practical and engaging and awaken us all the more to who we are in God and to journey together with that. It's just an amazing gift that we have. Husbands and wives and families, yes, but as families and community that are doing this together is really a cool thing. Can you tell me what Christmas is all about? We're on a mission from God. To admit it's getting better. Folks are along the ride with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, the family road trip podcast. The imagery, right, is going down the road. If you go to presentsforchristmas.com, you'll see an image of a road going into foreboding skies and lightning and thunder. And some people originally, when we had that image at the beginning of this year, why why such a foreboding image? And in some sense, it's encouraging because which of us don't experience the challenges, the reservations, the fears, the doubts of the proposition of 
bring your family together to talk and pray, to find that place, make it sacred. It sets off, doesn't it, lightning within it. It's like, well, I'm busy and I've got kids who are addicted to their devices and, you know, I'm awkward. I don't quite know how to do this. And our response to that is, do it anyways. You're hearing the witness and testimony of these four couples and their families that have done that. Varying ages, all have rather large families, all really busy, but they're doing it anyways. And now that we're in the Advent season, you know, is there anything more significant than more fully awakening to presence? Christmas presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, the presence of God in us and alive with us. I would submit to all who are listening, just by my own experience, that the poverty that you experience and that I experience, emotional, spiritual, relational poverty, that alienation, maybe we've become used to living with it. Um, But the supply of that is the people that he has blessed us to be around. And what it takes is to know that and to structure it and make it happen, to call upon it, to tap it. We're on a mission from God. That's the amazing adventure we're on, folks. We're glad that you're with us. Family Road Trip Podcast, the fifth stop of seven. And you can get this free downloadable gathering guide at presentsforchristmas.com. And now we're going to go around one more time with our wonderful sojourners and simply to ask them a story of this past week of gathering together as a family, maybe something that impacted them. So let's start with the Waskoviches. Okay, well, this is the first family lit that we did after Mass. It was a very busy weekend. And um, so we already had a great homily from Father Jeff at St. Peter's. So um, that was awesome. And, but during our family lit, I noticed that like the, um, when you have to affirm someone or apologize, that mine were both for my husband. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, you know, he's really, um, you know, taking this seriously. He's, he's doing a lot more leadership at Mm -hmm. church. And I'm just saying, you know, this is really awesome. And I feel like I I really, I feel like this has gotten us closer. Mm. And um, I'm just proud of them. That's awesome. That's great, Mike. Wow. Kudos to you. Yeah. Elevating hey, it. I'll I mean, take it. That's better than winning the World Series. You just Thank got you, it right Steve. now. You got the trophy in your hand. <laughs> I want this moment to never go away. Well, we'll repeat it and add different Braveheart music to it and have her just oh, keep I declaring it. it. That's awesome. <laughs> I want this moment to never go away. Never, never go, go away. away. Never, never go away. I'm just proud of them. Every man dies. Now every man really lives. I'm just proud of them. Would you be willing? Taking this seriously. To train. He's doing a lot more leadership at mm. church. All the days from this day to that. I'm just proud of them. For one chance. Just one chance to come back here. I'm just proud of them. And tell our enemies that they may take our lives. I'm just proud of them. But they will never take our freedom. So uh, another uh, great week, fun week with the holidays. Janine is right. Uh, it was a very busy week. So we got to it sort of late after the Browns loss and after mass. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I two think sacrifices. I Yeah, it was was tough. Um, I I think I've said this in the past. I've really let the kids step up. And our little five-year-old asked the other day, hey, are we doing that lit thing right now? And it wasn't the right time, but it was kind of a cute moment. And my um, 18-year-old son really stepped up and just kind of led the session. And and each of them are sharing some not overly sensitive stuff, but some personal things. And mm. I can see the, the relationship between the kids uh, 
kind of growing in, in a unique way. They're, they're kind of little adults already, but mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of cool to see, um, you know, child one or your daughter listening to uh, her brother and kind of sympathizing, empathizing what he's dealing with or what he's working on. And she's excited for him. You can see like either the sad face or the happy face and the excited face. So anyway, Mm, what it was, it was just a great picture. And then, uh, and Janine continues to be amazing. So I'm really thankful to have her and she's the rock and I try to stay out of her way. (laughs) You're a good soulmate. No, thank you so much for that great, Beautiful. great testimony. Drew? Um, I'd say, uh, I know like during our gatherings, we always have that part where we apologize. And I've been more conscious during the week trying to look at, like, especially with Braden, our seven-year-old, is when he, act, when he acts up, am I responding appropriately? I think sometimes, and I've been thinking about that is, yeah, maybe I am or I'm not, but to him, it may not seem that way. Um, and is he understanding the discipline we're doing? So, so I caught myself a couple times where um, maybe I overreacted to him or mm. had a little bit of, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was dragging it on. Kind of, I just lost my cool a little bit at one time. And instead of waiting, of course, for a time to apologize, I waited. Of course, he went to his room. And then when he calmed down, I've been just going in there and just talking to him about it and then apologizing and saying, you know what, I didn't handle it properly. Mm. Or, should have handled it this way. And what I noticed just, uh, um, I guess more focused on that, uh, his response to, um, me doing that, it's been very good. Mm. Just, uh, he's been eating it up. A lot of times, um, we've, we've had issues where we send him to his room and yet he has a big, uh, um, he gets angry really easy and he, he doesn't want to, he's hard to reason with sometimes when try to reason with mm-hmm. a, a little kid, it's sometimes that's not a smart thing, but <laughs> right, right. But just just going in there, and I, I I make sure I explain to him that what what happened cannot happen. But then I apologize if I feel like he could have taken it the wrong way. And I mean, a couple times it was real sweet. He would just give me a big hug and just wanted to come back downstairs. And before you never would see that. So I think just those things, not even waiting for Sunday to come around, just mm-hmm. doing it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 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 course are cooler, tempers are down, and um, they're. You know more in their state of mind uh they they can really grasp that and understand it but it's been it's been really good this past week drew that's awesome and what comes to mind is simply the relational heart of a father you know there's something very powerful that happens there simply in your witness and for any who are listening also i will say for us um don't wait for the the day, if you will, if it's once a week. In our home, I'll I'll say that flag in the sand, it spills over and ought to spill over and uh, ennobling for our children at any time to really seize the moment right away and to say, hey, I'm sorry, or hey, did I hurt you? Or can we talk about this? All the time, God is pressing in on us. Why allow a moment of obstruction, you know, to stand in the way there? Finley's. I've heard it said before in like, you know, your progression through the spiritual life, at some point, you know, God will start to withdraw some of mm-hmm. the grace or some of the good feelings, right? To mm-hmm. really bring out that conscious decision to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt about this week. Um, <laughs> so honest. I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was a struggle at times. I mean, we, a couple of the boys were kind of going at each other, which, you, you know, even though, the feelings 
you know, for me, weren't necessarily positive when I think back on it. I think, you know, there was still the apologies. You know, there was a little bit of a confrontation right before dinner, and, and we kind of worked it out through the apologies section. And then there were some points um, just in the discussion where we had a chance to talk about, like, kind of end of time stuff and things mm. like that. I love these readings, by the way. Um, and, and while, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily felt strong feelings through this um, gathering, I think, you know, there were still a lot of important things discussed and worked through. And uh, I think this is just one of those aspects that sometimes, again, you just you make that decision and you get through it and you trust that the Holy Spirit is working, you know, e even when That's you right. don't necessarily perceive something. That's right. That's right. Lorna. Yeah, I affirm what Steve is saying a lot. Um, it's interesting because I think for all of our family, it definitely is becoming something that is routine. So all the kids sort of know the drill. They know what to do and when to do it. Um, it's sacred. And so sometimes even if we're lollygagging, because a lot of times it's let's get it done because we do take, sometimes we can take hours. And, and then there's, you know, they might be like, okay, I, I want to do this. So let's hurry up and get this done. Right, so right. they'll move us along. But it's it's great because it does, it takes them, uh, it gives them sort of their own voice and it gives them a lead sort of if they have that motivation, as long as it's respectful that they're, that they're participating in that way. I think truly in their spirits for all of our family, that is, it's something that it brings Christ into the center of our family. And it really gives us the opportunity to connect in our busy lives. We just go, 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 even when we're trying to slow down and not overcommit and take time for family. It's just busy. The mm -hmm. days are so short now and there's always something to do. And so having that opportunity to all try to take that time to get together and communicate and talk to each other and share, especially centered around the word of God so and, good. you know, preparing for mass, the, the apologies, you know, it's all just stuff that we need. And, and it's beautiful how it's, you know, becoming something that we're realizing is, is a necessity, mm. you know, however it takes form. And I'm, really thankful for the opportunities to continue to do it and that you know it, it's just everybody is willing and participating um so it's a blessing awesome, awesome. thank you lorna grown eyes yeah well I, I echo um experience this week this was a dry week um i'm sure that was exacerbated by the fact that it, we did saturday nights and it was our annual football day at the Grodi household because the Buckeyes were playing yeah. Michigan. And so we watched that game, but you sure did, you know, that, that was a long afternoon and we kind of got to the end of it, having kind of gotten so sucked into that thing that we're all kind of tired and exhausted. And then here we are the evening and it was just a hard one the night. I mean, there was some, there was some good stuff around the questions and the apologies, but uh, I, I think by the, as we dug into the readings a little bit, I, the kids were just, we were just tired and I was tired and, and grumpy. And I actually, I closed out the discussion early this particular night. Um, Cause I was just, I was getting irritated and I wasn't, I wasn't going to handle it well. So we closed it down and we picked it up a bit the next, next day uh, doing great. some of the, the gospel readings with breakfast. But I think, you know, it gets two things is, you know, one, 
it's easy to do something like this and and have one you know have one time go really rough and feel like well you know, this is causing you know, why did I do this today it's just causing more more trouble well really what it's doing it's bringing out stuff that's there mm. you know it's it's helping you recognize under the surface things that could easily just have a band-aid put over them yep. but you know the, the the need to grow in certain virtues the need to to reconnect with people and all that and I guess the other thing that again somebody else mentioned was I think I want to try more in the future is to invite especially my eldest who I think is going through a difficult time of transition right now a maturation time I really want to invite him to take more ownership of it mm. and, and lead it with us because he he responds so well um to any time he's invited into responsibility, into a, a real challenge, something important. Whereas often when he, when he's simply along for the ride, uh, he has such a hard time being engaged. And so then I think that's something I'm going to try next week is to invite him awesome. to, to, uh, yeah, to help uh, do it. I look forward to your um, report on that because I think you and through you to us are going to be blown away. I just know it. I'm already setting the bar high. Um, One thing that we do as an overflow from these lit gatherings is it seems to be a theme now here has already been alluded to is that it should spill over into every day and apologies. And we've heard that story. I get in the car with them every time uh, I open the, the door in prayer. You know, I say, Joseph, you lead. Dominic, you lead. Grace, you lead. And I am anointed and blessed by their leading. And I also get an intuition to their hearts, which is uh, really an awesome thing. So thanks, John Mark. Teresa. Well, like John Mark said, this week was rough. And I particularly had a difficult day with the six-year-old Lucy. Mm. It was one of those days where you just want the day to be over. Mm. You're so done with that child. You just want her to go to bed and you to go to bed and just wake up the next day. Everything just grates you the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So we're at Lit Gathering and she picked the question and the question was, what would you do with a million dollars? And it came to her and, you know, she's feeling the tension too. And so she's a gift giver. And so she's like, I would buy mommy the biggest diamond ring. I would buy mommy this. I would buy mommy that. (laughs) And the place where I was, I was still even really frustrated with that because I knew what she was doing. And I was just like, I like forced this smile Hmm. and I was like that's nice that you would buy that for me Lucy but what would you do with a million dollars for yourself you know just trying to like I don't know like I was just irritated (laughs) and she without skipping a beat she goes I would buy a Mary statue Hmm. and I would put it at the front of our playhouse and I would buy fresh flowers every day and I would take the fresh flowers out to the Mary statue and I would pray to Mary and I would build a chapel behind our playhouse. <laughs> and I wanted, and I would want to go there every day and we can pray there and we would Aww. have a cemetery out there where we could all be buried together. <laughs> <laughs> this is your six-year-old. That's beautiful. This, like, I, it, it was just one of those things where I, the way that the day had gone, I would have never expected ever for that to come out of her heart. Mm. But that, like, it, it really just was what she she jumped to right away like That's she awesome. wanted Mary that was awesome it's awesome to hear all of you share these um, because we are all as give a nod to John Wood we're saints in the making and for us to uh, be magnanimous with one another which is often forging in us qualities of virtue as you indicate John Mark 
things come out. And uh, over time, just the beauty of seeing these, um, I don't know, these beautiful little souls being formed um, through these circumstances and those little glimpses of traction are, are truly amazing. Folks, we are so blessed that you are with us in this very moment. Uh, a family road trip podcast, it's all about the journey to eternity. You know, the, the road trip, it's a bit of a metaphor. We're on this road. It has contour that's been defined by God, and it corresponds to our nature. He desires this intimacy with us, and he gives us these great contexts of marriage and family, um, the unsurpassed treasure of his presence in the season of Advent to really receive it fully. We just can't say strongly enough, this week maybe is the first time. Some of you may even consider it. Lean into it. You know, pick a night, pick a time, uh, 35, 45 minutes gathering together. Download the Live It Gathering Guide to get at presentsforchristmas.com. Even if all you do is circle up and get rid of all the other distractions and go through the fun questions, just if that's all you do, um, make that place sacred, and which, which declares the sacredness of the relationships, and it does have an effect on the atmosphere. I just challenge you, encourage you, invite you all to, to give it a shot this week. And uh, we do encourage you now to uh, answer the questions at um, presentsforchristmas.com, clicking on the Chick-fil-A button. If you get them right, the first one to get them right gets free Chick-fil-A for the family. And uh, all others are entered into a drawing, those who get it right, to get Chick-fil-A for family. So two winners. And we do invite you to join us if you're in the Toledo area for Presents for Christmas, the event, three consecutive Wednesdays at St. Joan of Arc, 6.30 p.m., Witness, Word, Worship, and Confession. I think it's going to be a very moving evening of encounter, a very moving evening of knowing how truly and deeply God loves us. Thanks so much for being with us. God bless you all. Until next time. I'm telling you what Christmas is all about.